Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the Every Day is a New Day show. My name is Kim O'Neill, and I'm excited for today's conversation. Today's conversation, I'll share with you what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking with a guest who's going to be sharing with us her story and what she's learned about moving from an ordinary life to an extraordinary life. And she has a really special story to share with us. And, um, I'm excited. So I hope you'll stay with us for the full conversation. But I just have to say, it's so funny. It's so funny how, um, you know, I guess what, what's that that phrase that comes to mind? You know, you make plans while God is laughing or something like that, right? Things things happen. And it's, it's just kind of mirrors some of the experiences me and today's guests have had. And I'm sure that you can relate to when you're making plans, you're going in one direction, and then little curveballs, little things show up, right? And there's all sorts of reasons and, and uh, you know, explanations for why things happen. Um, uh, you know, I could speculate at all of them, but I just have to say it's so important. I have found it so important that we learn how to laugh and roll with it too, to have fun, to not let those curveballs, those mishaps get in the way. And by no means am I ever saying, you know, don't feel what you feel. That's not what we're saying, okay? But just allow yourself to get to that space where you can go, oh, okay, I did not see that coming. <laughs> and it's just humorous. So I'm very grateful we get to have today's guest on. We've tried this a few times, and today this is this is a third time's the charm, and it's going to be wonderful. So before we move on, let's go ahead and take a moment to shake off yesterday. Shake off those those mishaps, shake off those unexpected things that show up and feel like, what? I wasn't planning for that. <laughs> wasn't planning for that. Huh. Okay. That's interesting, right? We can shake it off, shake it off, shift, come back into the present moment. Oh, it's a gift to give yourself that you give those you are with as well. And so I thank you for being here. Talk to us in the comments. Let us know what you're taking away throughout today's conversation. And I'm going to move on to sharing with you a quote that I believe I also got from today's guest. I love this. It comes to us from Carol Burnett. And Carol said, only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. Only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. And I feel like that speaks right back to what I was saying a moment ago, right? So the curveballs happen and they might, they might anger us. They might make us sad. They, you know, they might lead to all these kinds of things. And only we are the ones who can say, okay. And I'm going to choose to laugh it off or I'm going to choose to finally get to that space where I can move beyond, right? For your own sake. That's what's coming up for me. Okay. So let me share a little bit about today's guest and then we'll bring her up on screen so she can talk to us all about from ordinary to extraordinary. Today's guest is Carrie West. Carrie West is a transformational coach and the author of Memoir of an Ordinary Person and Her Journey to an Extraordinary Life. Carrie has transformed her life from the trauma, panic, and rejection she endured from her first breath on earth to now living as a thriving, successful adult. Today, Carrie helps her clients learn to change their lives by understanding the stories they tell themselves, the stories that had held them back from living a life of their dreams. Her coaching program, Awaken to Your Dream Life, does just that. And today, we're going to hear more of the inspirational and empowering wisdom that Carrie has to share with us. So welcome, Carrie West. Hi. 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 What How a great are you? Intro. <laughs> oh, thanks, Carrie. 
I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I, I can I can I take a, a quick second to not only say when when life throws you a curveball, how we respond is up to us. And when when we've had our challenges getting the show together, you know, it sometimes it becomes absurd, doesn't it? It just it does. It becomes absurd. So what can you do but laugh? Exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, there have been so many absurd moments in life where it's like, all I can do is laugh because it's like, wow, we really didn't just see that coming enough. And I want to, I want to add to that. I thank you. I love that you talked about how we respond is our choice. Something that I've just started sharing um, in a couple other conversations I've had that I, I feel like fits right here too, based on what you, how you just said that is for anybody who right now is like, what? I, I'm, I can't leap to all of a sudden just laughing about whatever my situation is. That's not what we're saying either. Like th that's not what I'm saying. So you feel what you feel and you get to make the choice to say, I'm going to choose to shift into something different. I'm going to choose to now feel better. I'm going to choose to move in that direction. Even if I can't get there right away, I know that I'm choosing to move in that direction because it, yeah. it makes a big difference, right? Whether it, whether we consciously make that decision or we just keep staying somewhere and not making a decision, it, there's a, there's a difference in what our experience is. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the other thing is, is important when you showed, I love that quote from Carol Burnett. I have it on my website and I have another great quote that goes with that. Only I can change. No one can do it for me. Everything can change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's so easy to be able to make conclusions about things, right? Well, this is how this is and nothing can ever change. And what I have found is, yeah, there may be elements to this over here that you absolutely cannot change. And yet in changing something else, it can still have the impact of changing this. So you may not be able to see how it can change. And there may be the moment of, okay, you've got to accept that this is how it is right now. But when you pivot and change other things that actually can have a reciprocal effect over here too. Yep. Absolutely. <sighs> absolutely. I am. Um, I have so many examples of that from the mundane to the absolutely miraculous. And it's, that's, that's how I started my journey was that when somebody first told me I could change my circumstances, I didn't believe them. I figured you know, all the old messages, you're born, you live, you die, you, you know, eh, life is what it is, you know, life is a crapshoot, and then you die. It's like, and then I started expanding my worldview and talking to people and sh they shared with me their experiences. And at first I was so cynical, so cynical. I didn't want to believe it. I am, I am definitely an extremely cynical person that, you know, I have to research it and understand it and believe it. And, and when people meet me now who knew me back then, it's amazing that they, I get this response. They're like, who are you? But the truth is I, I surrendered. I gave up my old position that, that I was this person that because of my circumstances that I was born into, that that meant I was so deeply flawed or there was something so incredibly wrong with me that 
I just had to muddle through life. Wow. That that only the people that are are special can get what they want out of life. And I am here to tell you that if I can change, anybody can change. Anybody can change. Carrie, for for context, um, would you be open to sharing some of your story? So just sure. to highlight where you were and where you are today. Sure. Um, I was born in the 50s. And at that time, you know, most of, I'm a, I call myself a late boomer bloomer, late bloomer boomer. Um, I'm at the tail end of what they call the boom, boomer generation. Okay. And my parents were first generation Americans. Um, daughters didn't matter to them. The only one that mattered were, was my brother. Wow. And, you know, my people married for different reasons. And my parents, you know, they got married later in life, which was unusual. You know, my mom was 29 and my dad was 30 when they got married, which in the 50s, that's very unusual. And so dad never wanted to marry, never wanted kids. And mom, you know, in the old verbiage, tricked him into it by getting pregnant. So by the time I was born, and I was the third, by the time I was born, dad was just so completely over. It didn't go to the hospital with me. And my mom, I later learned, had mental challenges. I didn't know, you know, you don't know this. When you're a little baby that just comes in, you don't know any of this stuff. Right. So I I, I liken it to a movie script because I, I did work in Hollywood. I do have a movie background and I liken it to a movie script. When you first show up on the set the first day, you don't know anything that's going on. You're looking around at the sets. You don't see anybody you know, and they hand you this script. And this is your role in this script. So I was, I was given the role of third born middle child. And I started reading this script. And the truth was my mom didn't want to be a mom. And I'm saying that as we're getting ready for Mother's Day in two days, but my mom never wanted to be a mom. So when I was born, my dad wasn't in the room, didn't take her to the hospital. When they handed her to me, she said, get that thing away from me, it's filthy. And I only know this story because my mom in her infinite wisdom would repeat all these stories of these horrible things she did to not only me, but my brothers and my brother and sisters and just, you know, just repeat them. And when you're a child and you look at these giant beings who are so wonderful and they're supposed to be your life, they're the reason they're the people who keep you alive. Right you start to believe these things, you know, these, these are larger than life and you're so dependent on them. But beyond all of that, after that, my mom wasn't a fan of feeding me, wasn't a fan of changing my diaper, hated messy diapers. And this wasn't the day and age of, of um, pampers. This was washing diapers. You had, you had to wash all your diapers out. They're all cloth diapers. And so it created, I, I almost died a couple of times. And wow. there are times when, you know, because I wasn't fed and I was malnourished. And and one time when I was like a year and a half, I could walk around. And I found some empty popcorn or, you know, pop popcorn left over from the night before. And I ate it all. I just swallowed it because I was so hungry. And I had I blocked up my whole system. And if the doctor wouldn't have come by to do a house call, I think he knew something about my mom. Okay. And he saved my life. And, and, and she would describe exactly what he did. I'm not going to describe it here. But... So to, and she would repeat this story over and over. And so I, that's, that's been, that was my starting point and it didn't get wow. much better than that. So everything I did in life, I did on my own and I fought 
for everything. And I clawed my way to get out of the house. But, but it isn't a matter of getting out of the house. It's a matter of what's your mindset with all of that? How do you, how do you see the world? How do you see yourself in the world? And I didn't see myself in a very good way. I didn't see the world in a very good way. I, I believed that the world was scary. I believed that it was unsafe. I believed that everybody was out to get me. And there were times when I was walking around like this because I was just constantly, you know, watching for where the next ball was going to drop. So it wasn't a happy life. And all I wanted was my parents' love and affection and acceptance. So probably one of the greatest things they did, and please, I hope this doesn't sound terrible, but my parents died very young. So I was in my my early 20s when they died. And it was then that I realized that I am not set up for life. I, I drank a lot. I could not, I didn't have any close friends or close relationships. I was not set up for a successful life. I really just thought that life was out to get me. So I went to work. I started talking to to teachers and went to metaphysical workshops. I studied Buddhism. I studied meditation and hypnosis, went to therapy. I've been to probably every kind of therapy that's available. And I took one day at a time and turned it around. It was when I went to film school that I realized about storytelling and how stories are so important in our culture and in our world. And I realized that I was telling myself this story that I was a, like I said, middle child, (laughs) middle child, third born middle child. And I was unhappy and destined to fail. And I thought, well, I I often saw them talking in movie creative meetings about how, well, we want to have a different ending. Right. Started putting it together and said, well, if we can put a different ending in a movie, can I put a different ending in my life? So I worked on it and that's what happened. Carrie, thank you. You And you told that story um, in such a great way that we got context, but we it was also succinct. And I, I want to just, I, I'm just going to highlight that here. I, w- I probably wouldn't typically say that to a guest. I'm so sorry. I keep having a frog in my throat. One moment. I, I probably wouldn't typically acknowledge that, but to me, what that says is you've done a, you've done a lot of work. I mean, it's obvious because speaking to you today and we, Carrie and I have now spoken a few times, actually. Um, I would, I knew maybe like a little bit of her story, but I didn't know, I did not know the, the extent of what you just shared. So, um, I would never have imagined that you went through some of that. Your, your childhood sounds like a movie. Doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Are you going to make a movie of it? <laughs> you could. If someone wants yeah. to buy the rights to the book, I'm open. <laughs> Call my agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I so okay. So so the turning point was your parents transitioned, and you realized I'm not set up for life, and so you started learning and growing and making new changes. So, yeah. um. <sighs> What was, what was one of the first, 
I'm not sure where to go from here. I feel like there's so much that could be looked at. What what was one of the first things that you noticed about your mind? I mean, you already started to share this stuff, but I really want to go back to mindset for a moment. So, um, I mean, how did you start to realize that, you know, um, I am lovable, that not everyone is going to treat me this way? How did you start to realize some of that? You first of all have to make the connection. That that was critical. That we're we're supposed to individuate. You know, when you're born, you're very dependent on your parents, and then they reach a point where they teach you how to be your own person. Right. That's that's the key part. And then great parenting encourages you to find out and discover who you are, and to to celebrate with you when things go well and to help you when things don't go well. My parents had one story in mind for me, and that was, you have to take care of us the rest of your life. You, you, we gave birth to you because you're, you need to care for us when we get old. And you do not get a life of your own unless you want to get married and have babies. That's the only life that's ready for you. That's the only life available for you. And, you know, you start to believe that. Right. When you hear this after every moment, every day, you start to hear that. Well, there is something about me, like I said, I'm cynical. And there was something about me that, that I, it was almost like a duality. There was a part of me that believed it because it was so ingrained into me. And there was another part that was like, really? Is that all there is? Really? And, and because I love to read, as soon as I learned how to read, I would read everything I could. I would even read the newspaper. We would get two papers delivered to us every day. And I would read those and I would look for these inspirational stories, but I couldn't do anything about it. I didn't have the power because I was dependent on other people up until the time I graduated from college. And even when I graduated from college, I said to my parents, are you proud of me? No. You didn't get married. We thought you'd at least find a husband out of all this. And it's like, oh my God. So, so them, them passing away at a young age while tragic and sad gave me a chance to break free because it stopped the external voices. Right. And in, in a way that made me feel a little lost. I didn't know how to replace that voice. So I started looking for ways to replace that voice. And some of some of the the teachers and and that I went to or people to go to for help were terrible, were just terrible. You know they had their message and I, and you know that's another thing I, I think about in life. We have a society that somehow supports these ongoing bad messages that we give. You know I you know it it can be that way. So developing a strong foundation in myself was really critical, where I could question things. And learning to question messages that I got was the first step that I didn't have to accept these messages. Nice. The next step was what messages could I accept? Because I didn't want to go into a fantasy world that I could marry a prince and everything would be okay. No. What was the realistic expe expectation for me? Because one of the things that I think is important to understand is my extraordinary life works for me. 
it won't work for you or, or most of the people here. You have to find out what is your extraordinary life. And, uh, and so I love that you brought that up. I want to get back to extraordinary life. I, but I first want to go back to, you mentioned that you had to know who you were and how did you discover who you were when you've been fed so many messages that I'm going to say weren't your truth? I'm going to ultimately say that. I, yeah, I did a lot of journaling <laughs> and, and because I'm a writer that worked for me. A lot of okay. people can do it by, by writing. They can do it by painting. They can do it by reading, but discovering who you are. <clears throat> one of the things is I, I started to in, in, include friends in my life that I could start to trust. Okay. And then I would say to them, how do you see me? Do you see me as a friendly person? Do you see me as a scared person? And please be honest. So I, I had to get some real, ask some real tough questions of people on how, because that showed me how I was putting myself out in the world. And then I had to understand what I was, what I really believed about myself. And I did, I, I believe the message I got from my parents. So I had to take that apart. And I did a technique for changing beliefs. So it's very simple. If you believe the sky, I believe the sky is blue. That's in our world. That's true. If you want to say, I believe the sky is purple, then you want to change that. You know, you cross that out and write, I believe the sky, you know, that's cancel. That's wrong. And then you write, I believe the sky is blue. And some people even talk about having a meditation around what they call a book of beliefs that we have in our subconscious mind. Okay. And you start looking at the beliefs you have about yourself. But, but one of the easiest ways to understand the beliefs that you have in your life is to hear yourself talk, become an observer of your life. So if you can step outside of yourself and say, I'm going to watch how I respond in this situation, I started to see that a lot of my words and a lot of the phrases I used were those given to me by my, my parents and by society and by teachers. And I needed to say, oh, okay. I, do I want to keep that? Do I want to believe that a woman's place is in the home? No. I want to believe that a woman has the ability to do just anything she wants to do in her life. And then I would, I, so I took them apart. I, I started to collect the old beliefs that I had, and then I took them apart and rewrote them and went after beliefs that would, would be healthy for me. Thank you for sharing that, how, what your process has been and some of the ways that you started to rediscover who you are and your beliefs and all that. And I want to go back to how you started to discover who you are, what your identity is, because for anybody listening, they might be thinking, you know, I don't want anybody to be, be relying on, oh, you're simply going to go to other people and then you're going to take on their definition. What I heard, yeah, right? I What I heard as you were speaking is go to other people, ask their opinions, you know, their insights as a barometer because then you're going to check back in with yourself. Hmm, does that resonate with me? Do I agree with that? Do I want to be that? Oh, yeah, I think I am like that, but I don't want to be like that. Or, oh, that's interesting that person sees that. I can see why they say that. But right, like you get to, you get to define and by going to other people and asking them questions, it's simply helping you sift through what's what's true for me. Who do I choose to be? Right. Well, let me let me tell you something that I do with my clients because I think this will really make it succinct. Okay. We have forgotten how to dream. Once we once we become adults, we have responsibilities, and we think dreaming is for kids. 
So when we lose sight of who our true nature is, we forget to dream. You know, as a kid, I, I started to remember that as a kid, I had big dreams. You know, when man was walking on the moon, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. I wanted to be. So that was probably the first step for me beyond beyond the, the teachers and asking okay. friends to, to give me confirmation of stuff was I, I started to remember how to dream. Okay. And when I could dream, I thought if I, ha- I gave myself complete carte blanche, if I could have anything in the world that I wanted, what would that be? And I went, hmm, okay. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, I, I want to be happy. I want to feel like I'm successful. But what does that look like? How do you dream that? What does that look like? And honestly, I said to myself, boy, I'd love to live in California. At the time I was, I was on the East Coast. I'm from Pennsylvania. Okay. I said, I want to live in California, California with all the sun and it's great and it's cool and the people there are cool. Okay, so what do you want to do in California? Hmm, hmm. Well, I like stories. I want to be in the film industry. Now, remember, I'm 20 years old. This is like nothing. And I thought, yeah, right. You know, on the one hand, I'm dreaming. On the other hand, I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, how are you going to get out there? But I kept it as a dream. And, and you use dreams to spark your imagination. And once your imagination is sparked and you've got a dream going, you get excited and desires start happening. Because we get so complacent, we forget that we're allowed to get excited about something in our lives. So here I am struggling along trying to figure out who I am. My parents are gone. I'm kind of lost, I, you know, whatever. And I thought, well, yeah, I have this dream. I want to go to Cal. I want to live in California and I want to be in the film industry. Yeah, right. Cool. But I'm going about it and I'm still thinking of other dreams. And I said, I want a cool car and I want to travel. I want to go to Europe. And what I found out was that opened me up for different things when I was, so this is when I'm 22, 23. When I was 32 years old, I got a call from somebody that the American Film Institute in California was opening up applications for people to go to school out there. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll put an application. They're not going to want me anyway. I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a middle child. I'm an unwanted middle child of a, of an immigrant family, but yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. But meanwhile, I'm still doing my dreaming, still doing my dreaming. And I got a call from somebody, the head of the program is in New York City, wants you to come into New York to meet with them. And I was like, what? Well, I got accepted. I went to the school and I got accepted to this program. From a dream I wrote in 29, and when I was 22 years old, here I was 32, 10 years later. And I kept dreaming about this and just thinking about what would I have, who would I have to be to get into that program? Now, I wasn't perfect and and I had a lot of challenges, but I got in and it made me, it forced me to come to California. And I've been here ever since. That that is so inspiring to know that that you had a vision, a dream when you were 22. And I even want to highlight, like you didn't didn't completely 100% believe in it, but what was key is you continued to dream. So you continued to put that energy out there. You continued to move forward on making what you want to experience happen in whatever other capacities is what it sounds like. And then that original dream came to fruition in 30, okay, 10 years later. Yeah. So the dreaming part was so important, but mostly what it did was it got me excited about me again. 
because I was pretty down on me and not feeling yeah. good about myself. So what I also learned was that I was pretty tenacious. I was pretty tenacious. And I liked that quality about me, that I didn't give up, that, that, and I realized that if I made it out of the, the, the family life that I had as a kid, I must be pretty darn tenacious because <laughs> so many people wouldn't. Yeah. When I think about it, sometimes it's like, how did I survive that? And, and not to go into, well, I must have had a greater purpose. Now, I never believed I had any great purpose. I, I've always known that I'm just me. There's nothing really special about me. I'm pretty ordinary, you know. But we can all do extraordinary things because that's the nature of being a human being. And that's what I've come to learn after many, many more miracles like that many, many more dreams that have come true. And I just, it blows me away when I look back. And sometimes when I tell this story about my upbringing, I want to say, wow, am I making that up? Could that really have happened to me? I had, yeah. I, and I let my sister read it. I said, did that really happen? She said, yeah. So it sounds like, <clears throat> it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the key to moving from an ordinary life to an extraordinary life is to dream. I think that's a huge part of it. Huge part of it. You've got to believe in the dreams. You have to have your imagination. You have to know that life is possible. I, yeah. And I, yeah. And I want to say you have to allow it to be possible because if we stay locked into this is just how it is and I'm not even going to bother then we get to be right. And that's how it will stay. It, okay. <clears throat> I want to show everyone your book. <laughs> we have Carrie's book here, Memoir of an Ordinary Person and Her Journey to an Extraordinary Life. Carrie, <clears throat> excuse me. Carrie, tell us about, um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the book? I mean, does it tell all about your life story or what can people expect when they read this? It, it does tell my life story. It's, um, it takes you all the way from my upbringing through school and, and all the events, not every single event, but a, a conglomeration of some key events. And then the turning point when my dad died and how that just made me, it, I was lost. I was lost without that. And then I talk about trauma because I'm a long sufferer of trauma and PTSD. And I noticed in one of your other shows, you had Brad Yates as a guest. Brad was, his tapping was one of the processes I, I used to help me through trauma. I, I used several and I talk about it. And I talk about the impact of all these different programs on my life and how they, each one contributed to me constantly improving and getting better and better and better at dreaming the life for myself. Because that's the other thing. Once you get a new dream, once you reach a dream, that's not the end. There's more right. dreams out there. It's so cool. There's so many more dreams you can have. And I felt like a little kid in a candy shop and thought, wow, this dreaming stuff is for adults. This isn't just for kids. This is this is what makes life exciting. Can we should all you be doing it. Yeah. Carrie, did you have any, did you have any real sticking points, um, areas that, that tripped you up more than others? And how did you move through that? The, the things that triggered, the things that tripped me up was when I'd get triggered okay. and I would get triggered around feeling safe. 
if something, you know, cause that was the big one for me. I never felt safe in my home growing up. Oh. And so even, even a couple of weeks ago, I got triggered and didn't feel safe, but the good news is because I know it now, there was a time when I'd get triggered and I'd be lost for, for weeks. And now it's like, oh, okay, take a deep breath, touch your body, shake it off. It's like even, even trying to get the, the show going when you have these little, sometimes, sometimes it looks like a little thing, but it can set you off because it reminds you of a bigger trigger. And that's where you got to laugh. <sighs> Just kind of keep moving and get present day because that trigger takes you back to when you were in a position where you couldn't help yourself, where you were relying on somebody else to take care of you. And that's the biggest advice. Dealing with your trauma is important. What's coming to mind as you share that <clears throat> is the simplicity. And I've, I've said this many times too. Um, things that can help us can be so simple. And I want to say deceptively simple because it can be easy to be cynical about, oh, I'm just going to shake it off. Yeah, right. Or, or, oh, I'm just going to do that thinking you're just going to do that once and that's going to magically change your whole life. It's an ongoing process. I mean, yeah. here you are, this transformed coach and things still show up. And same with me and things in my life. I'm like, oh, I thought I dealt with that already. But you can see the progress every time you make that new decision, every time you choose to respond to something a little differently, or you notice, wow, okay, this time I was maybe only sad for, for this long, as opposed to last time I was sad for this long, right? Yep. It, yep. It's a yep. process. Yep. And you notice you react differently. Yeah. You know, there is a time when this technology glitch you and I were having where I would have just been, oh, you know, and now it's kind of like, bring it on, baby. I'll deal with this one. It's, I know. And, and you've been such a champ to deal with that with. You know, it's like we're both just laughing about this. And it's, it's absurd. It's, you have to. It is, it is absurd. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. I've even had some self-talk of like, oh great, like why do I have to keep clearing my throat in this conversation? I'm like, okay, Kim, whatever. Like, just clear your throat. We, like, don't and okay, okay, this is a great little point. I love that you've brought up storytelling and how that can help us and shifting our stories, right? And what I also want to say is we don't have to make a story about everything because that's like, like, I'll just use my clearing my throat as an example. Part of me could like has a slight inclination to want to start to make a story of why do you have to clear your throat, Kim? What does that mean? Like, what, you know, what's the story you start to create? And it's like, there doesn't yeah. have to be a freaking story about everything. Like you just, you know, there was a little, you know, there was a little thing I had to clear. it. <laughs> I know. A friend of mine once said, Sometimes a cigar is really just a cigar. It's, there's no magical element to it. But you know what? I, I'm glad you brought that up because we have stopped accepting our human foibles. We have stopped <sighs> accepting who we are. And we, I think we demand perfection from other people because we are terrified of our own imperfections. Oh, that's a good one. You know, and, yeah. and so if we can accept imperfection in others and in situations, then we start to accept ourselves as imperfect yes. beings. And once you can accept yourself as an imperfect being, that really opens up for magic and miracles and change because we're not perfect. And we're not. No. I 
I love that you said that. Yeah. So I, I've met, said many times I am a recovering perfectionist and it's like, it's a work in progress. And, and, um, I have found, I'm, I'd love to know if, if this speaks to you in any way. I have found for me that my spiritual journey has led me right back to embracing the human journey. And does that resonate for you too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, you say you're a recovering perfectionist. I'm a, I'm a, I'm in the 12 step program for recovering control freaks. And, <laughs> and the first step is make sure it happens the way you want it to happen. Damn it. <laughs> oh no, that way I'm in the wrong program, <laughs> but, but control freaks like me recovering control freaks. If you, if anything is out of whack, everything has to be absolutely done T's crossed, eyes dotted, because if not, then then you're you have to deal with imperfections. Right. And we have forgotten that it's okay to be human. That's I feel like that's a quote. That's, we have forgotten that it's okay to be human. I'm gonna put that up on the screen. Um we have forgotten that it's okay to be human. Carrie West. We're going to make that a quote. Um, there we go. <laughs> Putting that one up there for everybody. We have forgotten that it's okay to be human. And what new decision are you making about your humanness today? In what way can you embrace more of your humanity today? And it, this goes right back to, I mean, I started off with saying, you know, my spiritual journey led me right back to my hum, human journey. And what I want to highlight with that is I think there, there tends to be this, um, I don't, I, I guess, belief or perception that we move into spirituality to get away from our humanity. I, and I, I can see that right on a level and it's not either or it's both. You're, you're a human for a reason. That's right. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And when you can get those two working together, man, it's even, it's even a more enjoyable journey because the experiences you can have, there's a vibrancy to them. You know, when, um, by, by the way, you know, after not having any friends or relationships forever, I have been with my, my partner now for almost, we're celebrating our 11 year anniversary this summer. And and, and by the way, before that, I rarely even dated. Dating was not my my forte. And when Simon and I met, we were friends first. And then all of a sudden he looked at me and he said, oh, I think you're the love of my life. And I was like, what does that mean? Um, and, and I noticed little imperfections. And he said to me one day, you never try to change me. And I said, I have two problems with that. One is, if I didn't like you the way I, you were, why would I want to change you? That's too much work for me. I don't, I don't want to put the work. I'm working so hard on myself. You, you get right. to be who you are. And the other thing is, I said to him, you know, I noticed something when my dad died. The things I missed about him the most were the things that annoyed me the most when he was alive. Oh, okay. So when you do something annoying. Yeah. It's really not annoying. It's one of your bits as being Simon. So I, I want to put that in the box to say, I'm, who, who is Simon? This is Simon. And that just makes me 
so happy and my heart opens so much that oh. I see you and I know you. And you oh, let me that. and you let me love you. Oh, Carrie, that's that, that I feel like that, you know, for anybody who's going, there's something there. I need to like hear that again. Rewind this when you can come back to this point in time and in, in today's conversation. I see 41 minutes on my screen. Um, well, something's going to be edited out. It, it won't be quite 41. It'll be whatever it says when you look at it. Um, it <laughs> um, that is just that's that's like that's golden. That's beautiful because that's really seeing I don't, I don't want to say it's seeing the whole person, but you are seeing an element of a person and yes, they are allowing you to love them and you're allowing yourself to love simply what you see. I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like there's another thing to, to say about that, but that's, that's beautiful. That's yes. Well, what happens is there's a freedom yes. between us that he doesn't have to try to be somebody. And I certainly don't have to be somebody which led me to even more healing from my, my crazy beginnings and acceptance of it. There was a time I was afraid to tell the story of all that because I had so much shame and pain around it. And Simon knew the whole story. When he said that to me about, I think I'm in love with you. I think we're a couple. I said, I said, okay, hold on. And I told him the whole story then. I told him about everything. And he said, all right. And I said, wait a minute, you don't think I'm disgusting and horrible? He goes, no, why? He said, if anything, I think you have the biggest heart I've ever seen in anybody. And I was like, whoa. So when you accept others, you accept yourself. Okay, so uh, Carrie, I love talking to you and, and I'd love to hear know, a lot more. We talk for hours, I know, we gotta go. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm noticing the time, like, okay, we've gotta start to wind down. I kind of just wanna bring it back to the storytelling aspect and how a person gets there. So I'm thinking of the person who's been so used to not telling a story that, that feels good or is, you know, connected to their dreams. And maybe they feel like, I mean, you mentioned earlier, right? People forget how to dream. I tell my clients every day for 10 seconds, it's 10 seconds is a long time, is to imagine how you would feel if you had your dream come true. 10 seconds. And 10 seconds feels like eternity. But once you can do it for 10 seconds, then I, I have them take it up to 15 seconds. And just to breathe. And how would you feel if you got that amazing job? Or how would you feel if the man of, or woman of your dreams walked into your life and said hi? Oh, a lot of times the first answer is scared. Right. But how would you feel? And, and fear is a good one. Stay with the fear till you go beyond it. But the point is to imagine how you would feel when it's already done. Because it is, it's already done. On some plane of existence, it's already done. So how do you feel? How do you feel when you're happy? Ooh. That, and I, yes. Let's repeat that one. How do you feel when you're happy? That that has so much that can be rolled up into it. It might sound obvious. Well, I'm happy when I'm happy. Uh-uh, not necessarily. You can tell yourself you're happy and actually you're feeling something else. Or That's you may right. have some vision of what you think happy is supposed to be and realize, wait, that's not actually what makes me happy though. It's that's a big one. Yes. 
Yes. So there's there's a lot to unpack here. I know in a short period of yeah. time, it's hard to hit every point, but it, there's there's so much that we can do to be happy now and happy always. And I want to also highlight that you started them off with 10 seconds because yes, that can feel like a long time. And yet we know, okay, well, it's, it's just 10 seconds. It's not that long, you know, when you're in the act of doing it and you haven't been doing that regularly. Yeah. It feels like it's taking, Oh my gosh, 10 seconds. And I want to go back to, it's a process, right? So, uh, so start with 10 seconds and then I imagine kind of maybe gradually increase with them right now. Okay. Try 15 seconds now, maybe 20 seconds. And, um, uh, Okay. Carrie, um, thank you so, oh, oh, we have to tell everyone where they can go to connect with you for sure. Um, give me one second here. <laughs> so you have your website, CarrieKCWest.com. And for everyone right. who's listening as a podcast, that is Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, the letter K, the letter C, West.com. And um, what would you like to tell them if they go to your website, what can they find? How can they connect with you? That kind of thing. You'll, you'll find a, a lot of information under under the section about awakening to your dream life about setting up uh, I have a free introductory call if you want to set up some time with me if you just want to say hello set up a call I love talking so and it'll also have a list of some upcoming zooms I'm doing to introduce these ideas for free just to get on and talk about these topics of awakening to your dreams what does it mean but um, that's under the media page on my site and you know sign up be on my mailing list and i'll have tons of information for you you can get a free download of a couple of chapters from my book my book will be out in august and stay tuned for that if you'd like to get a copy of it you know get send me your mailing list and and sign up for my mailing list and i'll make sure you get the information when the book is ready wonderful well carrie thank you so much for being here today and um inspiring us all. And I'm, I'm going to say thank you for the work that you've done on yourself because, um, yeah, I mean, just what a story, what a story, what a story, what a story, and what a gift that you've given everybody by doing this work and now getting to the place where you can tell your story and also help people as a coach and, um, help them reconnect to their dreams. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing. Absolutely. My pleasure. This, this has been a lot of fun with you, Kim. I really appreciate that. I agree. I agree. Okay. So I'm just going to drop you back down into the lobby for a moment while I close out the show and then I'll see you again soon. Sounds good. Oh goodness. So as always, what are you taking away from today's conversation? What stands out for you most? I, uh, what's coming to mind right now is tapping let's, we want to acknowledge that, right? So as, as she was just talking about, you know, what are you feeling and how does happy feel? And, you know, just dream it, think of it and have that vision for 10 seconds, right? Sometimes if that feels too hard, tapping can help you move through any little bits that are feeling too challenging. Um, yeah, definitely check out, you can go back and check out those, uh, Brad Yates conversations on the everyday is a new day show, or just on, on YouTube tapping is a great tool, but Carrie shared so many great insights today and it's a beautiful example for you can go from what sounds like the unthinkable, right? Questioning her own story. Did that really happen? And realizing, okay, and I get to choose something new today. I get to choose something new, not someone else. I get to choose 
whatever stories I was given as a child, I get to choose now at this point in time. You're never too old. You're never too young. It's never too late. It's always the right time to choose you to be in that process of embracing more of who you are and allowing yourself to experience a new day. <sighs> Take a deep breath. I thank you so much for being here today. And, um, let us know what you're taking away from today's conversation. Have an amazing day, everybody. Remember that wherever you are today does not have to be where you are tomorrow. You're worth more.